Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 309, Talking Merriams with Donald Devereaux Jarrett. And I am your co-host and the guy who went on a dove hunt. I'm using air quotes this past weekend. And I'm your co-host and the guy who's not first. He's last. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing the Alabama dove hunt didn't have many birds. Well, the short answer is no. And it was a hunt that my buddy Chip put together at his house, which was very thoughtful and required a lot of work on his behalf. The hunting part of the dove hunt was poor. The rest of the day was great. I got to spend some time with... What's that? That's a good thing about a dove hunt. The camaraderie is really fun. Yeah. I got to spend a lot of time with my dad and, oh, five or six hunting buddies and ate some really good food. And so it was a good day all the way around. So I have to tell you, though, that I batted zero. Oh, you whiffed? With my one shot 
Oh, no. At a dove, I missed. Wow. Now, do you you don't shoot at moving birds very often? So, are are you a pretty good <laughs> shot at moving birds? Flying. I'm a much better shot at moving birds, especially when the target is the size of a turkey's head. Yeah, you're used to that. And it's juking and jiving through the trees. That's where I mm-hmm. excel. Yeah. When well, they're standing like still, looking at me. No. There is no fun in that. <laughs> I'll take those, uh, and you can shoot the other one that's running off after I kill mine. Okay. Yeah. The reason I ask that, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I have friends who are very athletic people and can, you know, shoot a deer or a turkey all day, but you put them in a dove field, man, you better hope Walmart has plenty of shells. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you don't grow up shooting at moving, you know, ducks, doves, quail, that kind of thing, I mean, that, that's tough. You're just not used to it. Yeah, but well, I've got some experience and I'm I'm the because I don't do it often enough. I'm the guy that when he gets hot, he's hot. And yeah. And when he's my cold, brother's... he's cold. <laughs> my brother is that way. He if he misses the first one, the next 10 are going to get by him. But if he hits that first one, they better watch out. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's all it's like a confidence thing, too. Yeah, but. It, that's good. Well, you only got to shoot once. If you get on a good dove hunt, that's good training for uh, even turkeys to where they're running off. You get used to putting a little bit of a lead and that kind of thing. I mean, that, that helps. Yeah, it does. I used I, to shoot a, a fair amount of sporting clays when I was hmm. younger. And, you know, I was, again, always a decent shot on the sporting clay range. But it's something that I would say in my late 20s i really quit shooting sporting clays as frequently and going into my 30s i basically quit altogether so my experience shooting flying birds comes on what is usually my one dove hunt of the year and therefore i'm very streaky nice have you ever had to shoot a gobbler that was flying i have yeah okay i have too yeah <laughs> quite interesting they, they make quite the thud when they do hit the ground Boy, i tell you i shot one so years and years ago i was in the same hunting club that i was in last year and the year before and there was this bird that loved to hang out on this real tall ridge and i got up there he was gobbling up on the ridge and i got up there i don't know how i managed it but i got just on the other side of the top of the ridge from him. And when I say the top of the ridge, I'm talking about the top of the ridge is as wide as a truck. There's Mm -hmm. a road that runs down the top of the ridge and it is just as wide as the tires on a truck. Yeah. (laughs) And so I got up there and I made a little turkey sound and then all of a sudden I hear Mm -hmm. and I just froze and I was like, wait a minute, where is that joker? And I cut my eye over to the right, and he's behind me. So he walked behind a rock. I turned, got the gun up, and he came out the other side of the rock. He's about 15 steps from me, and I missed him. And he took off flying, and when he did, I threw up and shot as he was flying. I mean, he had gotten up in the air and was, was you know, <laughs> gosh, probably 25 yards from me at this point. And I shot... And remember, he's flying off the top of this ridge. So it doesn't, it's a pretty steep ridge. It doesn't take long before he's got a lot of mm-hmm. elevation yeah. from the ground below him. 
<laughs> he went wham right into a pine tree and it was like a cartoon he just slid all the way <laughs> down the pine tree good lord Hit i'm sure ground. he was a sight to behold <laughs> oh he was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> hit the ground with a thud and of course i took off running down the ridge you know my old story my old safety adage don't run with a gun and you know do as i say not as i do again this was a lot of years ago and i get down there to him and he's got that you know kind of the cuckoo head going on like they do in the cartoons as well with the little <laughs> stars in, in a circle around his head and it was raining feathers from where he slid down that pine tree it was awesome it was a great day that's awesome yeah, yeah. i've killed one well, i've killed two flying the first was my first ever bird I mean, I literally just straight up shot him when he was flying over me. But the second one, I shot a bird and hit him in the body and blew him down. But he got back up and, you know, was disoriented because he didn't know where the gun had come from and what had just happened to him. And he just took out flying. Well, he literally could not have flown more directly at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, just waited. Oh, I just waited and waited. And then when he got just... 12 o'clock right over me, you know, 10 yards, boom, and just rocked him straight in the head. And then he came crashing down. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it felt weird. I mean, it, it honestly felt weird shooting turkey out of the air. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I went I went hunting when I was in college and just really getting into turkey hunting. Actually, I think I may have been out of, I think it was my first year out of college. I went with one of my dad's friends. Now, this guy, he he passed away recently, but he was one of the finest wing shooters around. Hmm. He would come to a dove field at two o'clock in the afternoon with his 410, a box of shells, would shoot 16 times, and at 3.30, he leaves with 15 birds and goes home. With a 410. With a 410. He would go to the sporting clay range with a 410 and break 95, 96 birds on the sporting clay range. Unreal. Yeah. That is some talent. Yeah, he was ridiculous. So he and I were turkey hunting. We were walking down this road, and there was a turkey roost. He wasn't roosted. For whatever reason, he'd flown up in this little, I'm going to call it a sapling, because <laughs> it was about uh, 20 foot tall. I don't even know if it was a softwood or hardwood tree. I can't even remember what kind of tree it was. But he flew up in this tree, and it was the tree was right on the edge of the road. Well, when he saw us coming, he took off flying across the road. You don't do that to a good wing shooter. <laughs> Instinct kicks in. Yeah, the guy's name was O.T. Miller. O.T. threw the gun up, boom, and the head on that turkey just went straight down, just boom, and the bird's still flying. <laughs> But he, I mean, I can see it like it just happened. It, he was so dead that he, I mean, he was still flying. And he went about, I'd say, probably 25 feet or so further and, and finally dropped and hit the ground. But, awesome. yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. All right. One more flying turkey story. I'll make it quick. My mentor was standing on the edge of a lake and was messing with a gobbler on the other side of the lake, just screwing around with him. He's standing on the bank of the lake. All of a sudden, he sees the turkey is flying across the entire lake to him. <laughs> he doesn't have time to move, so he just pulls his gun up, and the bird is about to land at his feet on the lake bank, and so he just folds him at five <laughs> yards over the water. Drops him in the water. 
and he got he went out there and got it and took it into town we checked it in they they accused him of shooting it with a slug you shot this bird with a rifle you can't do that he's like i swear i shot with my shotgun he was just so close and he said it, they finally pushed the wad back out of him <laughs> wow it was that close <laughs> i'm sure yeah. he was a sight to behold too oh yeah yeah I, anyway. I shot one at very close distance like that and and yeah the entire wad with all the shot in it went through his head. It did look like he was shot with a slug. Yeah, I mean, what do you, you could do? see through it. Yeah, that's hey, that's good shooting right there. That's yep. that's a tougher shot than a forty yard, in my opinion. Oh yeah, no doubt. And all this talk about turkey hunting's got me fired up. And we're a hundred and seventy days, nine hours, fifty six minutes, and fifty nine seconds away from opening day of turkey season in Alabama. <sighs> And we are 184 days, 9 hours, 26 minutes from opening day in Tennessee. But I'll be chasing them Saturday morning in the great state of Missouri. All right. Yeah, I'm going to get the old shotgun out. Shotgun season in Missouri is the whole month of October. I'm going to go do it. Do it to it. Going in blind. I gotta... you're, in, you're in pursuit of a gobbler. Yes. Or I would shoot a Jake, most likely. Okay. And potentially, I, ha- I just don't know how I'm going to handle it. We'll see how the hunt goes. A hen, maybe, because I the only reason why is I would want to make a couple wing bone calls out of the hen wings. Mm-hmm. And it's legal in Missouri. I just, it's going to have to feel right. Like, she's going to have to really be ugly, like, noticeably barren, you know, well yeah. past her years. She needs to go anyway kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so, but I am pursuing a gobbler. That would be ideal. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's going to be an interesting... I've never gone fall hunting to where I literally just am showing up somewhere I've never been in my life and hoping for the best. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, take your recorder. Oh, it'll be with me. And I'm just going to stick with my theory of I know I can't kill him if I'm sitting here at the house. There's and no doubt about that. If I'm sitting on a tree calling somewhere in Missouri, there's a much higher chance of a gobbler accidentally walking by. So yeah, that that's what I'm going to do. But I, uh, in reference to my, the guy who's last, I came in fourth in the NWTF recipe contest. Mm. If you ain't first, you're last, but we called it the pheasant feta burger one, I believe. Really? Yeah. Just I mean, that's hard just, to beat pheasant. Yeah. Especially in burger form with some fat in there. I mean, that's gotta be a really good recipe. I, I probably will try that recipe with turkey meat personally. Yeah. And I bet it's going to be very good. Now, had I submitted my firecracker meatball recipe, not only would I have won, they would have most likely hired me as chef for the NWTF mm. every, cause I'm telling you my turkey meatballs are on another level. Hmm. But yes, my biryani got fourth. And I got a really nice prize package from NWTF. I, they were very generous with it. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I got like a really nice Stone River knife set, like kitchen ceramic knives. Yeah. And then I got a big like butcher's knife with the NWTF logo on it. And then I got two more ceramic knives, a box call, a mouth call, a couple hats, um, a flashlight that also charges your cell phone. I thought that was pretty neat. That's cool. And a bottle opener. I think that's about it. But it was a, it was a nice package. So I'm hoping my biryani recipe spreads good joy throughout the world now. <laughs> 
And that recipe is on the NWTF website now? I'm not sure if they've posted yet. The guy who cooked them all posted, and so that's why I'm saying it now, because obviously the cat's out of the bag, but they told us not to say anything. I've known for a couple weeks now, but I was waiting for somebody on their end to post something about it. I didn't want to be the one that ruined it or something. So, mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anything on the NWTF website or anywhere like that, but... You can find that recipe, the wild turkey biryani, on my Instagram page if anybody's interested in cooking it. It's from about a couple months ago, maybe a month ago. And it's it's a good one. It's very good. Yeah. I'll be getting that recipe and cooking that. Yeah. So looking forward to trying that one. I'll bring us, I'm going to kill us a fall gobbler and I'll bring him down there to Alabama and we'll cook him up. You do that and I'll have the bourbon ready. This, This sounds like a plan. Well... It's going on the show, so I can't take it back at this point. I just have to provide my end of the bargain, and I'm very hopeful that I can do that. Well, I've got a liquor cabinet full of my end of the bargain, so... Yeah, I was going to say, your end might be a little easier to uphold, but I'll I'll find a lot of enjoyment in trying to get my end filled. All right. But anyway, this week, Donald Devereaux Jarrett. Man, it was an awesome interview. He's fired up about turkey hunting. I I love it. Man, I this, love having guests on like him. Oh, man. This guy, you can tell he loves it. Lives and breathes it just like me and you and a lot of our listeners. And he's he's killed and called up a bunch of Merriam's turkeys. So anybody who's wanting to knock out that leg of a Grand Slam or just experience out west for once, this is an interview you're going to want to listen to because the Merriam's turkey is different than your eastern. Different habitat, some different characteristics. Still a turkey, but a little bit different. There's some subtleties that you you need to pick up on before you go hunt them, in my opinion. They make a beautiful trophy. They are such a beautiful bird, and they come from some of the most beautiful country. Seeing those white fans strutting, because a lot of times you get to watch them for hundreds of yards, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that white fan, if the sun hits it, I mean, they, they are gorgeous birds. absolutely beautiful yeah well i mean we've shared some turkey killing stories ourselves we've talked about eating turkeys now we're talking about Miriam's turkeys uh this is just an episode i'm all fired up about so let's get into this thing and let's listen to donald Devereaux jarrett let's do it y'all tune in and we'll see you guys on the other side Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode. I'm excited to tell y'all we have on the line with us, live from Eatonton, Georgia, Donald Devereaux Jarrett. Some of you may know him as the author of Compositions of a Sickness, a book that I recently posted about and finished reading. And I'm really excited to have him come on the podcast tonight after getting to read his book. I feel like I already have shared some hunts with you. (laughs) Well, we can do it. We can do better than that one day down the road, then. Awesome. Well, Donald, how are you, and where are you? You at home right now? Yeah, I am. I actually worked today. Got off about uh, I don't know, quarter to six. Actually, got off a little bit early today. But um, yeah, I'm at home. I'm in uh, in my little man cave down here. This is where I stay. All right. Well, and we also have Andy on the line. <laughs> and last, but but definitely least. <laughs> good deal well so as i understand everybody calls you dj so if you don't mind i'm gonna do the same 
that'll be fine. I've had worn that nickname for as long as I can remember. Well, and I, that's a lot nicer than the nickname that I have, especially around the house. So I think <laughs> you should be proud of that one. <laughs> Good deal. I've got some of those too, but I'm going to that. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, I've been wondering, because Cameron and I are getting on a little kick here where we're going to start interviewing more authors because there seem to be more and more turkey hunting books out there these days and i'm definitely mm-hmm. not sad about that but no it's a good thing yeah definitely what is it that possessed you to undertake the task of writing a book about turkey hunting well it, it's it's all about the passion for turkey hunting that's all it is it's, it started many years ago when i started turkey hunting i I decided I was going to just do a journal, you know, just yeah. kind of keep up with things because I just fell in love with it right away. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started doing that, and I was just sitting there one day in the off season, probably this time of year, dreaming about turkey hunting. And and I I picked it up and I was thumbing through it. And I thought this is some really dry, boring. It's, it was just stats, you know. So mm-hmm. so I'm going to start writing it in story form, and uh, I did that. And sometime later, way down the road, a friend of mine was over at my house, and he saw these tablets that I was just handwriting this stuff. I don't even have a computer at the time. And uh, he said, what's that? I said, that's a turkey book. I'm just joking around, you know. He said, it's a turkey book. I said, yeah. He said, can I read it? I said, if you can read the writing, you can. You know, have at it. So he took it home with it. Long story short, he read it. His mother read it. His dad read it. And one of his brothers read it. And I finally got it back like a month later. And uh, he said, "Mom said when you uh, when you get that published, she wants a copy." I said, "I'm getting that published. That's junk, man." I said, "That's just personal junk. That's nothing. You know, nobody's going to read that." He said, "She said get it published." I said, "Well, I'll look into it." And it was it was some year or two later. I was just finally had access to a computer, and I started googling around, and I found this company. This guy had out in Seattle, Washington, because I thought. At the time, it was going to be one of these, you know, you got to order 500 copies and right. you'll, never, you'll never be able to. And as it turned out, it was a, a print-on-demand kind of thing, and I was able to get it going. And, and I just thought, well, it would be great because I can give my kids a copy, give my parents a copy, my brothers and a couple of friends, and that'll be it. And uh, it went way beyond that. And a lot of people, as word spread around, I started selling copies here and selling copies there. And this was before social media, you know, so I didn't really have a way to – I just throw some on eBay or anything just to get it out there. And I, yeah. I saw quite a few. And, and the guy that uh, had the company, he, he later retired. And when he retired, he, he shut the company down. And I was like, oh, well, out of print, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually found a company up in Alpharetta near Atlanta, which I, I really must have wanted to, to get it published again bad back in print to go to Atlanta because I'm I just not a big fan of driving up there. But it got up there and uh, – Ended up getting it, getting it done. Sat sat down with the people up there. They were great. They did a super job with on, on the second edition, and and it's taken off again. So it's just done really well. It's really surprising. But as a result of that, I started. I got into had an interview article with a magazine here in Georgia, which is as a sister magazine in Alabama. It's uh, Georgia Outdoor News here, Alabama Outdoor News over there. Yeah. And I freelance for those guys. And I recently, just this year, started freelance writing for Mossy Oak. I was on their pro staff already. And uh, Cuz Strickland, who 
everybody knows that Sever Turkey Hunted talked to me in Nashville about doing some writing for them because he had read my stuff in Alabama and Georgia. So mm-hmm. I was jumped all over that, you know, and that's how all that snowballed. But, you know, it's it's been a blast. I mean, I really have enjoyed it. That book, Competitions of Sickness, is a little bit primitive, if I if I had to say so, because I didn't know anything about writing at the time. I just was putting stuff down, you know. But I'm proud of it because it was it was a an accomplishment, you know. Oh yeah, you you should be. I've I've read quite a few turkey books and I really enjoyed yours. It well, like you said in there, it's not a it's not a how to. It's a, just a story of how it is and how yeah, to turkey yeah. hunt. And you know you kind of capture everybody right there off the bat, sharing your first turkey story, how you got into it, and it just felt like I was following along with you as you learned and, <laughs> and everything and hearing the trials and errors and hearing about Sergeant Pepper. And it just, no, I really enjoyed dude. it. <laughs> well, it sounded like he was I, a bad man. He was a bad dude. And, and uh, he was too good for me. Uh, and, and I've, I've even entertained, let my mind go. All right. If I could meet Pepper today, as opposed to way back then, what would happen? And he'd probably still whip my, my fanny. So uh, <laughs> he was bad to bone. That's awesome. Well, he probably taught you a lot about turkey hunting, though. He did. He did. You know, you can learn something from everybody in the turkey woods, good or bad. You know, I don't ever want to do that. Or that was cool. I need to. I need to put that in the filing cabinet. But you can also learn an awful lot from the turkeys. I've learned probably more from a bunch of bad turkeys over the years than I have from people. Not that I haven't learned a good bit from people, but I've been doing it long enough to have been taught quite a bit by some some cantankerous old birds. Mm-hmm. Well, and go go ahead and tell everybody if if they want to get a copy of your book. The way I did it was I messaged you on Facebook at you know Donald That's Devereux right. Jarrett on Facebook, and I asked for a signed right. copy and I paid you on PayPal. Is that the best way for people to get a copy? Yeah, PayPal works really well. It's it's quick. You know, it's there and as quick as I see the money because I'm not going to ship anything until. I, I get the payment, and that's not an arrogance thing. It's just a safety thing. I've I've been burned a time or two over the years, you know, yeah. just mm-hmm. been around a long time, and and so I just when I get payment, then I'll I'll uh, I'll send the book. Now I'll, I will take a personal check, and and uh, anybody that messages me on Facebook about it, I, I'll give them the info. PayPal or personal checks, the two ways to do it. PayPal is, is obviously the easiest, quickest way, but if you don't have PayPal, then then a, a personal check's fine too. And I'll give you, you know, address and all that stuff. And it's a pretty simple yeah. procedure. Yeah, well, I highly suggest to our listeners to pick up a copy of that. I'm probably going to keep shopping for a first edition myself just to have it in the <laughs> library. Good luck. Let's <laughs> find one. Yeah, I saw that. That was how I got on to you. I saw one on eBay, the first edition, but it was a little pricey for me. So I went with the second edition for my first reading. <laughs> Well, it's going to make you feel good. It does. It's just flattering, but it's also it's it's funny. I I tell people all the time. You know, I've had people talk to me about the book and and the writing and the the various pro staffs and such, and and they're like, man, when I got on Mossy Oak, they were like, man, you, you you've hit big time. And I said, oh well, no, I've not hit big time. I said, it doesn't make me anything special. None of this does, but it it makes me part of something that is and that's how you have to keep proper perspective so it, it, it's flattering and it's humbling but it's also it's kind of funny because uh, i would give you six bucks for it you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's because you have a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, you got plenty of copies. Yeah, I have a pretty good pile. And, and you, you got it in your brain, too. You can think about it all the time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, one thing that I'd really like to talk about with you today that caught my attention in your book is you're, you were born and raised in Georgia. Is that right? That, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. But you ended up, I don't know if you still do or not, but you guided Merriam's turkey hunts in South Dakota. It sounded like for years. I did. And, and I'll tell you what, that's some of the absolute fondest memories of the turkey woods I've ever have, ever will have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was just uh, that was the the absolute best turkey hunting I've ever seen or ever will see. I can I can honestly believe that when I say it. It sounded like it from the stories. I mean, it was like, well, we messed up that one. We went and got on this one, and then that one. You know, he missed him twice, and then yeah. we went after this one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, that yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a whole different game there, and uh, you know, here in, in where I live, and and everybody. Uh, I say everybody, a lot of people are going to say the same thing. That, you know, where's the toughest place to hunt turkeys? And and most people are going to say right in my backyard. You know, that's the toughest birds. And and uh, I, you know, I welcome anybody to come down here and hunt this management area that I hunt because it's it's a tough if it's a tough road to hoe. But if you mess up on a bird here, you you might get on another bird next week. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. that bad. It's just that, that tough. So up there, it was like, you know, you when i was learning to guide and learning the process and how those birds differed from here and so forth the first time i messed up a a hunt for a client and i did i I don't i don't remember what i did but i messed the hunt up and i felt so bad i was crawling to a rock you know i was embarrassed and it was like and they're like oh that's okay it's okay and when they the way they passed it off i said yeah these these guys have got good many birds where they live and i still had no idea how thick it was now i had hunted there the year before i started guiding mm-hmm. but i still was learning okay we messed up no big deal we'll find another one and, and it was like 30 minutes later you know we had two more come in and it was, it was over and it was like that just doesn't happen here you know so yeah pretty cool. well that kind of concept kind of reached out to me because you know a lot of people who live around here that hunt easterns and stuff all the time they dream of going out west and getting that white fan merriams sure and you know part of the grand slam and even if you're not even doing the grand slam it's just that white fan everybody wants one of those you know (laughs) sure so i was gonna yeah absolutely i've I've killed a couple myself but i'm no expert by any means i I haven't hunted them very often and so i wanted to talk to you because i hunt mostly easterns and i'll be honest like if you laid out a map right now i'd feel more comfortable that i would be able to pinpoint where an eastern would be than a merriam's and Mm -hmm. i wanted to just kind of get another southerner's experience because you have hunted both extensively and see what you know, because I'm planning to go to Wyoming and Montana this year to hunt Merriam's. And so I'm wanting to be right. prepared for that. And I know there's a lot of other people wanting to go hunt Merriam's turkeys. So with what would you say is the biggest difference between hunting a Merriam's and your Georgia Eastern? Well, I think it, the first thing that comes to mind, and I base this on my experience here uh, and where I live, uh, would, would be pressure. So that's the mm-hmm. biggest difference that, that, that changes those birds. You can take one of those and I got, I got tickled over the years at some of the people that thought we got our butts whipped, a client and, and I got our butts whipped one day. And, and when the bird finally gobbled out and walked off, he turned and looked at me and he said, DJ, I thought 
I thought mirrors were supposed to be dumb, and I just busted out laughing. I mean, I I spit my diaphragm out, you know. I'm like, no, I said, it's just a turkey man. I said, he whipped us, and that's all there is to it, you know. And you could take one of those dumb old Miriams and bring him down here to my neck of the woods in this management area that I hunt a lot and drop him in there. If if he lives a season, next year he's going to be just as smart as all those Easterns running around in there. Mm-hmm. So pressure is the biggest thing, I think, as far as, you know, you get, you've got to look at habitat. It's a lot more open out there in a lot of those places, particularly in Miriam's habitat. It's uh, Easterns, you know, they like the woods. I've hunted some some of the prettiest wooded areas you've ever seen in your life in South Dakota and Nebraska and couldn't couldn't find a bird and get out yeah. on the edges and start trolling there and they're, they're way out in the middle of the prairie, you know. So they like the open ground. That's a big deal. And that, and that, that affects the way you have to hunt them because they're, you know, you can't just, you hear a bird in these eastern hardwoods and you just take off and get to a good spot and you find your proper setup and, and, and work the bird out there. You're like, well, he's right over there, but he's, you know, he's like a hundred yards, but I can't go over here to set up on him. If he doesn't come, I've got to go two miles around just to get on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal. Of course, the roosting areas are, are pretty predictable because they like to roost the same spot night after night after night. I found out real quick that doesn't, that doesn't spell roasted turkey by any means. You know, it's nice to know where to start. Yeah. You know, Eastern's here where I live, particularly on public ground, because of the pressure, they bounce here and there and here and there. They're not, they're not, you know, you'll catch one in a pocket somewhere that hasn't had as much pressure that comes back pretty regularly. But those, those are three of the things right there that that make the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. They're a whole lot more apt to gobble throughout the day than an Eastern. And again, I say this, I'm, I'm basing it on, my experiences here where I live, and I've hunted Easterns in, in several states. I've hunted Easterns in Missouri that acted entirely different Easterns here in Georgia where I hunt. Yeah. So you can't, can't throw it all on the subspecies. I think, I think pressure has a lot to do with it. But I tell you what, it's some of the prettiest country you'll ever walk in when, you, when you're walking in the, where the Miriams live. Yeah. Yeah. And what part of the state what? were you were you guiding in? You don't need to tell me the, the coordinates was, on the air anyway. Sure. No, I was in uh, Gregory County uh, in the Missouri Breaks. We were out in the prairie units, which that's a draw there. It's not a over-the-counter deal. Yeah. Mm. I had limited license and still that way. But it's along the Missouri Breaks. We hunted in out of a little town called St. Charles. Good luck finding that on the map. We had at one time between 35 and 40,000 acres that we got it on between South Dakota wow. and Nebraska. We hunted on Niobrara River down there and and yeah. uh, just outside of Butte, Nebraska. Okay. Uh, wow. A lot of great coffee in both states. Yeah. What I'll say, when I hunted Merriam's, I had good success early morning and good success late evening. But, I, you know, I hunt all day when I go. And I couldn't find them midday. Like you said, they disappear out into the prairie, you know? They do. I was wondering, do you have like a strategy that seemed to work for you midday with Merriam's? Man, oh man. If the listeners to the free content only knew what they were missing out on in the last half of this interview, they'd be throwing $180 at us instead of just 18 to get it. I know. I'm with you, man. Uh, imagine if you drove all the way to South Dakota to Merriam's turkey hunt and had an unsuccessful hunt, but you could have paid 18 bucks and heard a tip today that might help you. Probably do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
Or imagine driving to South Dakota all the way to Merriam's country. You get out of your truck, walk around it, get back in the driver's seat, and turn around and drive all the way back home. Because that's basically what you're getting today without having the whole interview. (laughs) (laughs) You're leaving a lot of good stuff on the table. So if you want to listen to the rest of this week's interview with Donald Devereaux Jarrett, then you will want to do one of two things. The first thing you could do would be to become a premium content subscriber. And you can do that by texting the word Turkey Hunter to the number 44222. After you do that, I'm going to send you some very simple instructions to follow. And eventually I'm going to email you a link that you can click on to create your username and password for the Podbean application and pay the $18 per year subscription for the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Your 18 bucks is going to get you not only the rest of the interview with Donald Devereaux Jarrett, but it will get you all of the premium content for all of our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. It's a bunch of stuff locked up under the premium subscription that you'll have access to and If $18 is more than you can handle right now, Cameron, tell them how they can get it cheaper. Behind door number two, you can get the rest of just this one episode for $1.99. And the way you do that is you go to our website, theturkeyhunterpodcast.com or iamturkeyhunting.com, and you find this episode followed by the letters P.S. That stands for premium single. You'll be able to buy just this one episode. You can do that for any of our past episodes that also have the P.S. behind the number. All you have to do is click on it, pay us a dollar, and then you are in for the rest of this episode. I highly suggest it if any of y'all are planning on hunting the western states this year for a Merriam's Gobbler, because this guy knows what he's talking about, and one dollar for a tip that might help you get a Merriam's, I think it's well worth it. Absolutely. So, you know, having a a talk with Donald Devereaux Jarrett yesterday got my mind completely off of work and all the stuff around the house that needs to be done and got me thinking about turkeys and it was just awesome. Mm -hmm. I know. It's got me tore up about it. I know. Just when you talk to somebody that oozes that enthusiasm about the same thing that you love, it just makes it where you're just ready to go. I mean, that's how it is with me. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's the guy, so y'all listeners, get you a copy of his book if you don't have one yet, and he's on Facebook, and I believe he just joined Instagram, so reach out and tell him how much you enjoyed the episode, and thank him for his time on here. As we've said before, that really helps us get guests when they know that they're being heard on our show, so yeah. do that, and I'll make that the favor of the week. I was just about to say that's the favor <laughs> of the week, because that's what I was going to give, so perfect. There you go. There's our favor of the week. So y'all, y'all do that because I know I've talked to him quite a bit here recently on Facebook Messenger, and he's just a great guy. So he really is. We truly appreciate him coming on. Yeah, yeah. Good deal. Take us home, Andy. All right, let's wrap this thing up. And with that, I have to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to 
the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.